Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today, we have very special guests, and it's two instead of one. So their names are Philip Blades and Chris Habas, the founders of Talentful. Uh, Philip and Chris, welcome to the show. Good to be here. It's great. It's really a pleasure to have you uh, on the show. And yeah, let's get to let's get started to to get to know a little bit more about yourself. So, Chris, would you like to to start uh, presenting Talentful and and yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Chris. I'm uh, one of the co-founders and current CEO of our US business. Uh, I predominantly have focused on the client facing areas of the business, such as sales, client services, and project delivery. Uh, and my background uh, is in recruiting. So I spent about five years in recruiting agencies and then went on site to some high growth technology businesses like Shazam and Audible. Um, and you know, Talentful provide uh, in-house uh, talent consultancy teams to some of the world's most ambitious companies on a subscription basis. So we work with the likes of uh, Google DeepMind, uh, X the Moonshot Factory, WeWork, Bloomberg, and then you know smaller seed stage businesses awesome. to uh, kind of begin their journey. That's awesome. And Philip, what about you? Well, so yeah, I'm, I'm Phil, I'm the other co-founder of Talentful. Uh, I work as a CEO for Europe, uh, so that's over UK and Germany. Uh, so we have offices in London and Berlin. Uh, and then pre prior to that, so prior to Chris moving to San Francisco, uh, I looked after the operational or business aspects of the business. Um, and so I've worked in recruitment for 14 years, I think it is now. Uh, before Talentful, I was a, an, a contractor uh, working in tech companies, very similar to Chris. Um, I worked at companies like Mind Candy, Thought Machine, uh, Forward 3D. Um, and yeah, so worked in agency, recruitment agency for probably about eight or nine years before I went in-house, uh, went in-house permanently and then uh, was a contractor uh, after that. That's great. And congrats on the story. I, I think that you have made an, an amazing, uh, amazing milestone so far uh, with Talentful. It's really impressive when we look to the numbers. Uh, what can you disclose in terms of the stage of growth? So what, what is your account? In, in what interval of uh, revenues are you at this stage? So in, in, in what stage of growth are you at, at this moment with Talentful? Yeah, so we're, um, we're about 140 people, I think just under 140 people globally at the moment, uh, predominantly in London, so probably 110 or so people in London. Um, and then, so uh, last year's uh, revenue globally uh, was about $10 million uh, um, US, um, you know, split across different markets. Um, you know, obviously we, we were last year very European focused, but then opening up San Francisco this year, Uh, has grown actually very strongly uh, through uh, through this period, which is uh, pleasantly surprising, um, which is very good. And I think it bodes very well for the future uh, growth of the business. And we're, and we're incredibly, you know, sort of ambitious for what we can do with the business. You know, we want to change recruitment and that is what we're doing. Uh, so starting with the tech space, starting in Europe, but then obviously taking it um, across the world over the next, you know, sort of three to five years. You know, COVID has affected that a little bit, I think, but it's more sort of a bump in the road rather than anything fundamentally different um i think so and how old are you so far four five years at this stage yeah about four, four and a half four and a half yeah i think we signed our first client in october 2015. 
I just want to remember our, our audience about the numbers and the metrics. So only 4% of all businesses gets to 1 million, 4% to 1 million, 0.4% uh, to 10 million, and under 0.04% to 100 million. So this is how difficult it is. And our guest today made it to 0.4% to the point per, to the 0.4% club in four and a half, uh, almost five years. That's really impressive. So that's off for you. I know that people are not very well familiar with, with the numbers out there. And that's why I keep repeating how quick, how difficult it is. And also for the ones who are not able to get here, uh, it doesn't mean that you are a failure because this is really difficult to get to, to this stage. And that's some of the stories and some of the lessons that we are collecting here today with, um, with Phil and, uh, and Chris. So Chris, you have a new challenge. You have just moved to dedicate yourself completely to grow the business in the US and COVID-19 happens. I assume that you are also changing your own familiar situation to, to be uh, located there. So how are you coping uh, with all the change uh, and building and growing the business uh, in, in the US? Yeah, I think that, you know, potentially I'm a, a sadist, but um, I, I kind of love this part of the business, you know, where it's really scrappy, where you're um, kind of doing all sorts and, and really kind of fighting to get your teeth into a new market and, and kind of creating a position where you can, you know, go on to scale and hopefully be a dominant force in, in the market. Um, so, we did a lot of research when we landed here, which set us up really well. And I think we were lucky enough to, to have at least a, a month or so before COVID hit. Um, and we're able to build some really strong relationships, um, leverage some really great relationships we had from Europe uh, to the West Coast um, and, and sign some great partnerships. So you know, luckily for us, we're in a fortunate position where we were able to do that before COVID hit. And we've actually grown quite significantly during COVID. So we started in January, um, I think we landed on, on the 14th of January, um, with just two of us, uh, and now we're a team of 10. So wow. we've, grown, we've grown during this period here, which is, uh, again, you know, we're really fortunate to, to be able to do that. Um, but to me, it's really exciting. You know, there's tons of opportunity here. The scale um, of, of opportunity in, in San Francisco is, uh, it kind of dwarfs any other tech hub, really. Um, you, know, you look at the volume of VC investments, you know, the amount of uh, capital that gets pumped into startups and scaling businesses here um, and they all need help to grow and hire the best people it's a challenge that's common around the world and, and you know we're here to solve that so for me that's really exciting yeah I, I like to say that you come from the king city of uh, the EMEA region and, and the UK being the I would say uh, London has almost double of the investments of uh, Berlin or uh, Paris, which are in the second, third position and battle for the second position. And, uh, and San Francisco has um, almost the double of London. So which shows uh, the scale uh, of, uh, of the markets and uh, how many how many problems uh, and, and solutions you can provide uh, or how many, how many problems you can help to solve with your solutions and with your expertise um, in, in, the, in the West Coast. Good news as well, I, I believe, is that the West Coast is not being so uh, affected with uh, the COVID-19. So East Coast and uh, New York is in a much worse uh, shape uh, at this stage, right? 
Absolutely, yeah. I think we were very conservative with the approach on the West Coast, and we went into lockdown earlier than anyone else. You know, uh, we've opened stuff up very slowly, um, and I think that has paid dividends in terms of how you know this city and, and particularly this region will recover. So hopefully, that's good news for you know the tech sector here. Exactly. And um, we always discuss three critical ingredients to scale in the show. So number one being radical focus, number two, world-class leadership slash team, and number three, a culture of uh, execution. So we, we repeat this again and again and again, starting with number one, radical focus. So success is much more about what you say no than what you say Yes, so there are lots, as we discussed, a lot of opportunities, a lot of segments to serve. And the difficult part is to, to say no to, to some segments and to some clients that we could help, uh, but that will distract us from our um, vision. At the same time, we have, uh, as you discussed, it, uh, a plan all uh, prepared for 2020 and then an external um, happening uh, starts like a pandemic crisis and uh, we need to quickly adapt our plans but also at the same time we can't forget our mission and our vision and our values uh, as you said philip uh, it might be an adjustment but uh, the fundamentals and what we want to build stays uh, the same so how did you redefine those critical priorities when uh, covid19 uh, emerges yeah. So obviously we've been running a you know successful business up until that point. Um, so the key, you know, so I suppose the first priority really was to protect the business. So, you know, bottom line priorities. Um, and the reason for that, in our opinion, is because, you know, ultimately so many people have trusted us with their livelihood and that's not something to be taken lightly. So we're protecting the business because we're trying to protect the jobs, essentially. Right. So, you know, we kind of thought, well, so the key priorities are survive. Obviously, first off, we need to make sure, and that's key for everybody. Um, you know, use the time to innovate, and so that's what was big focus across the senior team in the business. Really, we were thinking about, you know, what's the world going to look like on the other side? Um, what do, what could we be really good at if we're going to change into doing something? And what do our you know existing client base need and want? Um, and then, a, a, like, stay healthy as well. You know, ultimately, like, focus on yourself and make sure that you know, ultimately the the pandemic or the, you know, the panic around it is affecting us as individuals. So, you know, it's the, we owe it to ourselves and to everybody else that we need to stay healthy, both, you know, physically and mentally. Um, okay. And so like from a practical perspective, um, you know, as we split the senior team up into uh, one sort of an operational group. So uh, finance, HR, legal operations, mm -hmm. and us too. Um, and we worked on the, the sort of contingency planning or you know the the stuff the, the defense of the business type of stuff and right. so we um i think well since it started so i think maybe three four months ago we've met every two days uh, since the start of that so um you know there's lots and lots of moving parts in every business and we have just tried to stay on top of everything you know whether it's you know getting discounts from suppliers or uh, having to deal with other things we've sort of done that as a group um, and then on the other side, we have uh, the directors of engagements. So they're the people that run the teams and they run the projects. Uh, and so they're responsible for their teams and sort of their experience, basically, of the crisis. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very tough thing to deal with for everybody. And there's a lot of, you know, for everybody, but also for people who are maybe new to work. And um, this is a very alien situation for them. And so they looked after about 80 to 85% of the workforce, which is the delivery team. And by, they were essentially ramping up uh, their touch points with the team. Um, 
because we're all remote and obviously getting more face time with people is really important. Um, we also formed a sort of cross company uh, innovation committee to look at what's next for the market. And so now we've got uh, a number of new products and strategies about to come to market. So some of well, a few marketing strategies have come to market already, but there's some new products coming. So uh, essentially we think are more aligned or additionally aligned, I guess, really to the new world after this. Uh, we, we were well ahead of the competition before the crisis and we're definitely not going to give that up because of a pandemic. So actually in a lot of ways, you know, this time to sort of breathe and to um, innovate, I think has been really valuable to us. Got it. That's really great. And I, I love the idea of preparing, um, you know, the getting back to normal and uh, the innovation and the future and, and the post-pandemic uh, worlds, which might be very difficult to have mental space to do when you are uh, still facing the crisis, still seeing the effects of the crisis. I think it's it shows a lot of emotional uh, maturity to, to be ready to, to work on, on that um, horizon. So going to number two, world-class leadership and uh, passing the mic to you, Chris, uh, this time. Um, this is one of the topics that I, that I most love. I love the free, but uh, this second one, uh, because I see this happening again and again. And uh, one first is the CEO uh, moving uh, from or moving from a founding team to a leadership team or the first version of leadership team talking now about scale-ups and, and then needing to start working on the second version of leadership team. So we know um, that in the beginning, this is the CEO and the founders have been doing uh, all themselves. And this is very difficult to, you know, to hire the first VP of sales, the first VP of CS, the first VP of product, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, a lot of times it fails. And uh, so it even increases the temptation of, I should be ending, handling myself sales, for instance. So, and, and if you try a second time and it fails again, it might be um, even more difficult. So we always discuss here having the right uh, people on the right seats for each stage of each stage uh, of growth. So this is your speciality is helping people to, 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 to find the right people for, for the right seats. So what are some of your learnings uh, with Talentful and with your clients? Yeah, I think for us, it's really understand, understanding what people thrive in your specific company culture. I think so many businesses want to go out there and say, we'll hire this person from Google or Facebook. Uh, and they're not really thinking about what that person's doing in that business or if they're even right. It's more just grabbing the brand name, right? Um, and so I think you should really deeply think about your business, you know, the challenges your company have and what success looks like for people in your business and create a template around that. You know, for us, as we're a consultancy business where we're working in you know, very high pressure environments where you know, companies have just raised funding and they need to hit targets very quickly, um, we index heavily on you know, problem solving and adaptability. Um, so for us, the people that have naturally shown those qualities um, and you know, indexed highly on those qualities have risen through the business and we've been able to promote them and move them into leadership positions. Um, and we feel that those qualities have been really helpful in times like this. You know, we need people who can adapt, who can pivot, who can change um, and aren't afraid of things being different. Um, and I think a challenge that lots of companies are facing, especially with a younger workforce, is that these people have only ever seen the market moving in one direction. Um, you know, they've only been 
going one way and that's up. They've been raising and raising and growing and growing. Um, and now they're in a position where you know, that's all changed. Um, and um, they aren't prepared for that um, or haven't got the you know, necessary potential or ability or experience to deal with that. You know, we're lucky to have you know, several leaders who've gone through recessions before um, who know that this is just part of the process and you know, it happens uh, on a kind of cyclical basis. Uh, and it's how you act and you know, it's the actions you take now and how you accelerate out of the uh, crisis that's really going to count. So and we're really, really lucky in, in that instance. But um, we've been really happy with how our senior team have pulled together and you know, the sense of community and that we're all in this together. Um, and, and just the understanding that this is tough for everyone. You know, it's a really difficult time for everyone. Uh, there's not that many companies that are unaffected by this. Um, and just pulling together and, and making stuff happen has been has been key for us. Got it. Great. And uh, Phil, what is what are your thoughts uh, on this? And if you could elaborate at the end, uh, I think there is also something very special here that might be a lesson for other founders and uh, is the, the top executives that are listening the the pod which is um, you are both co-CEOs. So how, what do you think about uh, the co-CEO uh, model? Is it working? What are the lessons, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I will help you. I will let you go in the direction that you want. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'd just like to add to Chris's point a little bit. Um, you know, I think good startup people probably are coping quite well, I guess, because ultimately we're used to dealing with change and, you know, competition and, you know, things just coming at you from when, when you're not aware of them. So um, I'm hoping that most people, uh, a lot of people are really coping well with it. Um, on the co-CEO thing, I mean, it's, it has always been really good. I mean, I think we, um, you know, I think when we got, we got, got together when we first started the business, um, we didn't actually really know each other. Um, we had a mutual friend, but, um, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't friends at the start. And that's been really actually quite good because our friendship has, and it's a genuine friendship has really uh, sort of grown while we've grown the business. Um, but what it did help with at the start was our ability to be able to be really honest and, uh, you know, say and be critical, uh, constructively critical, but, you know, critical um, of other people's, of, of our, each other's ideas um, throughout. So I think that's been really formative for us because, so the co-CEO thing is probably one thing, but I think it's also our relationship as well. Um, but our skills are quite complementary. I think that um, Chris much prefers uh, sort of being external, you know, being out with clients, partnerships, that kind of thing. Um, whereas I'm a very detail orientated person. So I gravitate towards finance and that, that side of things in legal. Um, and yeah, I just love that kind of stuff. So that we are quite yin and yang as, as sort of people, I guess. And then maybe when you can break that out into the roles now that, um, you know, obviously uh, the US is very much in growth mode. We, we are still definitely growing in Europe, but we're at a very different level of maturity and sort of uh, brand presence, I guess. So um, there's still there's still a fight here in, in Europe. There's a lot of competition. There's probably more competition from external recruiters in, in Europe. But I think that the split now, I think also fits quite nicely with what we like to do and what we're good at. So... I think I would definitely recommend co-CEO as a, as a way of doing things. I think having two equal partners um, at the top of a business is, can be really good if they're the right people. And I think you can't be too precious about 
what you do and and sort of what's important and what's not important you both have to accept that everything that is done is critical um whether it's signing business or whether it's you know a saving of this or a new process change or whatever it is and that it, it probably does rely on having the right people in the roles and the right relationship i would say um but there are many examples of it working really well i know that um harry's used to be a client of ours the uh, shaving brand they have co-ceos they do really well from that i think i think maybe warby parker as well which they spun out of the eyewear brand again um were co-ceos um so it's worked really well for us i mean it, it wouldn't necessarily work for everybody but i don't i don't think it would work any other way for us so it, this is perfect for us really and I love the point and feel free, Chris, to, to jump in and compliment any, any thought that you might have. But I, I, I love the, the idea that you just um, added that now you have kind of two businesses, uh, one that is in expansion mode and one that is more in maturity, maturity stage. And we always say that when we are going global, it is really important for the CEO to have a strong commitment to move him or herself to where the market is. So this is really, really important, not just sending uh, another person. So if you would have just one CEO, and of course in Europe, uh, that's where the majority of your business I assume still is, um, it might be a huge risk to, to give uh, your, um, I would say your 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 play field um, alone to, um, to to expand a new market. So in that stage, you can have uh, a CEO in one of the businesses and another CEO in another another of the businesses, and both close geographically to to those markets, which is a huge competitive advantage uh, towards another company. So here, the co-CEO model is really being a differentiator as well. Anything to add, Chris? There. Yeah, I mean, we see it as a huge advantage, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of our competitors are, have single founders, you know, single CEOs, um, and they're having to travel, you know, all the time to different locations and split their time. Um, you know, this allows us to have, you know, this radical focus that you talk about. Um, you know, Phil can be totally focused on Europe, I can be totally focused on the US. Um, and that's only going to breed more success, in our opinion. Um, and just having you know, the knowledge of, of growing the company in, in Europe and the things that we did right, you know, the things that we've done wrong, being able to adapt exactly. that for, for a new market and having that, the beauty of hindsight is, is a, actually a really valuable thing. Um, and yeah, we've seen it pay dividends so far. So you know, for us, that is a really huge advantage. And I, I do not envy solo founders. You know, I think it would be very difficult. I would probably have gone insane by this point. Um, so, you know, having that, having that co-founder relationship and that co-CEO relationship has been a really big, big thing for us, I think. Yeah. And I believe that that's um, adding on your point. So uh, having a CEO close to the new market with the flexibility who has been through the stages of building the initial business in, in the domestic markets, uh, understanding that every single client in, in the new market counts, that you need to be more flexible because you are not in a mature, in a mature business uh, anytime, uh, uh, again. So you need to be flexible on your decision-making process and take more risk. It might be very, very difficult for someone to hire to, and, and even for you, if you are not leaving that new market yourself, if you are not on the ground talking with customers, understanding what is the feedback, what works, what doesn't work, what are the pain points, what do we need to, to change is, is really critical. So let's move to the last point, the culture um, of execution. So if it is clear 
what we want, if, if we have radical focus, if we have the right people on the right seats, now it's a matter of uh, execution and keeping the morale of the team, keeping the motivation, keeping the rituals, the rhythms um, of the team. In the tech world, we all are doing nowadays our dailies, our weeklies, monthlies, quarterlies, annuals, all ends, uh, virtual coffees, etc., etc. Uh, anything special on, on your side, any specific rhythm that is helping you, especially because now you are a distributed team as well, uh, to keep everyone on the same page, to keep the morale, to, to keep productivity, to keep everyone happy. Phil, maybe I pass the mic to you back. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so we... Um... So from our side, we, we used to do a, a monthly wrap-up um, before COVID. Uh, so we moved that event uh, to a weekly event, and we do that on Zoom webinar. Um, and ultimately, without the kind of the serendipity of seeing people around the office, it's really important to be able to get information out, particularly in these times, in a timely manner. Um, you know, people are worried, and transparency is a really good way of allaying um, those fears, whether they be uh, founded or unfounded. Um, and so in those... Uh, sort of wrap-ups it's it's very much a kind of good news and bad news type of uh, approach really so we're sharing everything from you know new client wins to marketing team initiatives to who we're talking to from a sales perspective to government regulation changes um, and I think critically though we we have an anonymous Q&A at the end of each wrap-up so anyone can ask anything and we've actually answered every single question which you know, some of the times you look at the questions and you think, oh, that's, you know, that's going to be a tough question to answer. But I think it, <laughs> it is really critical to actually answer the questions. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, the world around talentful mass redundancies, all kinds of things going on around, you know, we, we need to talk directly to our people about what is going on and how we're seeing it. Um, so I guess the, the thing is probably like transparency is key. Um, that's what people need right now. Exactly. Chris would, would like to add something there. Yeah, I think you know it's quite natural when you know there's a time like this and, and your leadership team are, are really trying to kind of batten down the hatches and, and go into defensive mode and do all they can to you know focus on surviving and focus on growing um, to become more detached from your people. But I think you have to double down on you know being available to your teams, being visible, uh, communicating to your teams. And I think that's what we've really tried to focus on. Uh, over communicating at every point that we can, you know, talking through our decision making process, trying to have people involved in as many ways as we can in this process. Um, because it is a very scary time for people. There's a lot of uncertainty. You know, if you look around the market, there's you know, mass redundancies happening. People are unsure of what's going to happen to them. So for us, it's really important that we, we create some security and confidence in our team. Um, because as you said, it's really important that we maintain. Uh, confidence in our mission and our vision uh, moving forward because we strongly believe that this is a blip this is you know a time of challenge um, but we were going to get through it and we're going to be stronger for it out the other end so keeping people on that journey keeping people up to date um, is, is really crucial yeah and uh, I think that that's really the point so um, I think there was someone that was saying first focus on survival and then you need to focus on thriving so if people are taking a lot of sacrifices without uh, a why and without a vision long term this will lead to burnout and this will lead to no hope no optimism uh, no belief in the future so which is the question why am I doing what I'm doing? 
just to eat and pay the bills. And I think that this is really the survival state of the human being. And I think that in tech, especially, uh, we, we are um, a little bit ahead of, of that state of mind. Uh, so I've been taking a lot of time talking about purpose, talking about culture, talking about uh, uh, an amazing employee experience, the employee onboarding, uh, et cetera, uh, as we discuss it with customer. I think that's tech in that, in that sense is uh, well advanced compared to other um, industries, given the quality of the talent that we compete for. So in order to compete in the market, we need to offer that standards. If we don't offer that standards, we don't have the opportunity to get the best. And if we don't get the best, we can't have a competitive advantage. If we don't have a competitive advantage, we can't get business results. So, uh, so and, and the good thing is uh, having a purpose and having a, uh, uh, area fulfillment at the same time, uh, getting to results and both are interconnected. So we came to the last question of the show and uh, one of our favorites uh, before we go. And, um, Chris, let's let's start with you. Let's see if you pass the exam, uh, which is if you would have the opportunity to join Talentful again or to found uh, the startup Talentful again, and if you would have the opportunity to talk with your younger self uh, four and a half years ago, what advice would you offer to, to Chris at that time? Yeah, I'd, I'd just say embrace the process. You know, there, there's going to be ups and downs. That's inevitable, but there's learnings from each of those events um, and just make sure that you're learning and enjoying taking time to enjoy and reflect on the success you've had and you know, be comfortable with this, the process. Yeah. Love it. Phil, that's your final word to you. So yeah. You have the opportunity to wrap up. Okay. So I, I think <laughs> with the same question, I, of course. <laughs> no, so I, I, I felt that I've been much happier as I've got older. Um, and I think, Maybe it's something about the perspective of you know years of work and experience and maybe not sweating the small stuff as much um so i think like things get better and i think things get better as you do get older and as you gain more experience so you know if things are hard where you are right now that actually the experience of time makes it get better love it and, and the good news as well, and we, I close uh, the show with this, is that you have been profitable almost since day one. So you, you have never raised external uh, funding. And curiously, uh, all the sector now is trying to have uh, a bit the zero or a bit the positive so they can rely on the hypothesis of not having to uh, raise a round in the upcoming months given the uncertainty of, uh, of the market. So adds off to you because you got to this 0.4% with external, um, without external fundraising, which is even more um, impressive in such a short uh, period of time. Chris and Phil, thanks so much for making the time to, to join uh, us and to share your experience with the community. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for inviting us. And to our community, we keep here bringing you the best of the best, inspiring stories, practical lessons, so you can go through wartime and peacetime and be successful, whatever are the results, uh, because success is a process and a habit and not only uh, a result. So see you soon and keep scaling.